needs the direct approach from a strong female. She might even slap him when he's blethering rubbish and just slaps him to sober him up. This is the classic showdown then that people have been crying out for years. A wee jobby. <laughs> That'd be the gadget. She's also an astronaut and she was off the planet. And oh, she was fighting Thanos. And welcome once again to another episode of the Build a Bond podcast. My name is Stuart Morrison and please welcome my co-host, he never wastes his days trying to prolong them. It's Fraser MacArthur. Hey, 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 how's it going? Very well, thank you. And Fraser, what a treat to see you on home soil for once. I know, I know. It's unlike me. I'm actually got, I've got a rare day at home today. Uh, it won't last long. I'm away again tomorrow. But uh, yeah, it's nice to be nice to be here, surrounded by my DVDs with my home ironed suit. Mm, smart, smart as always, and not just a shirt and bow tie this time. You've got the full tuxedo look on. Yeah, um, much as I would like to say that that is a style choice, it's actually more of a practical thing. Um, as you know, it's winter. I've put the heating on for the first time. It's cold in here. Got your fleece-lined suit jacket on. Mm. Very good. Well, why, Fraser, are the two of us braving the cold to record this episode? What's it all about? I struggle to think. I don't know actually why we do this, but I guess what we're really here to do is the Build a Bond podcast, which invites a special guest to create their fantasy 007 movie by casting Bond, a co-star, a villain, picking a director, someone to sing the theme song, and any other Bonds that they might like. Mm. And when I say any other Bonds that they might like, I don't mean any other James Bonds. That might be confusing if you're a first-time listener. I mean, generally... Any other business, plot devices, gadgets, cars, other casting, locations, you name it, you have it. Very, very nice. That all does sound like loads of good fun. I'm just thinking probably it sounds good, but no doubt it will be absolutely ruined by a load of bloody rules. Riddled with rules. No, no, no. Actually, this may shock you. There aren't any rules whatsoever. Brilliant. Well, that sounds amazing. I can't wait. Well, I suppose that we should get uh, we should get started. Like any like any James Bond, we will have our little title sequence before uh, the guest comes on. Yeah. Uh, but before we do, well, actually, talking about title sequences, what I mean, that's that's a thing that we haven't really discussed much on on this. I know, and I'll tell you the reason for that, Fraser, is if I'm being totally honest, and I know of all you know everything about Bond, it's always got to have its traditions, and it's got to have things that they, they do every, every film. And there's always these um, sort of tropes about it. The honest truth about it, the opening sequence is I don't care for it that much. Don't you? Sure, I well most of the time enjoy the songs and like the music. The title sequence, I don't, I don't find it that good. Wow, very interesting. Okay, you know, they're always visually interesting. And especially, I, I would say that's one thing actually that, that perhaps has even got better over time is, is to become more visually impressive. You know, a lot of them, I don't necessarily find them that memorable. The only one that always sticks out for me in terms of how memorable it was, and therefore I guess probably would be my kind of favourite one, is Goldeneye, I would say. That one I thought was pretty cool. It had all the old Soviet imagery being like destroyed and everything like that. So it was quite a fitting one for, for that particular film. Um, but otherwise, I, you know, I, you know, I could take them or leave them, to be honest. Mm, I've got two favourites, actually. And I do quite enjoy them. I like the, as you say, I like the visual imagery. I like the, yeah, I, think, I just think it's a really creative way of sort of teasing the story without actually giving anything away so which ones are your favorites which ones do you really like well i really like casino royale i think it's a really cool one it's very different to the the style obviously it was a, a bit of a reboot of the franchise i think it was really stylish and quite clever with its with its the way it was done with all the different cards and and it worked really well with the song i think i think that's a great song and i think it, it, it tied in really nicely with it uh, the, my other favorite and for all its flaws Die Another Day's opening title sequence is pretty cool. It tells this this sort of story of like Bond being tortured in North Korea and his sort of journey through all of that and kind of fills the gap in the time without having to explain it in plot, which I thought was quite, cl quite clever of them. I have to say probably I would agree with, in fact, I, I might even go as far as to say is that was the best part about Die Another Day. <laughs> yeah, I, think you might I would agree right, yeah. that, that I, did, I also um, speak about memory, you know, how memorable they are. Probably Die Another Day is another one that I 
that I do remember and it did stick out for me. So maybe I'll take back what I said. Maybe I, I can't take or leave it. There certainly have been some good ones. Yeah. So something else that's uh, very prominent in No Time to Die, if you haven't seen it yet, is the storyline and the life and times of Felix Leiter. Yes. So again, we won't, we won't spoil it, but um, definitely a, a big part of the movie. I say I won't spoil it. I mean, if you've listened to any of other episodes of the series, <laughs> it will already have been spoiled for you. Um, but can you tell me, Fraser, which of the 10 other Bond films featured Felix Leiter? There's 10 other ones. 10 other ones. And for any bonus points, can you name the actors who, play, who played him? Okay, I can name some of the actors, I think. I know one in particular. Okay, very nice. Well, have a think as we go to the episodes. Um, it'd be very impressed if you got all of them. See how many you can get. And if you're listening at home as well, let us know if you're able to guess or, or, or if you know. Uh, you can tweet us, you can message us on Instagram. It's BillTheBond007. We would love to hear your answers as to the actors and the films that featured Felix Leiter. Excellent. So crack open IMDb, get a cold martini just like I do. Cheers. Cheers. And let's welcome in today's guest. Stuart, you feeling healthy? Always, yep. Good. Well, that's a bit of a shame because tonight's guests could have really helped you out if you weren't. That's right, guests, plural. Because for the first time on Build a Bond, we are having a team effort. And it's from two gentlemen that I've come to grow very fond of in the last few months. They're famed for their approachable and manageable guide to leading yourself into a healthier lifestyle through diet, exercise, and mindfulness programs. And they've recently transferred their skills to the medium of a new book and a new TV show. Not to mention, they sure know how to wear the hell out of a kilt. It's the Kilted Coaches. Hey, hey guys. Like, Who are these two guys he's talking about? They sound awesome. <laughs> you are awesome, guys, and that's why we've got you on the show. So, how are you doing? Pretty good, Fraser. How are you? I am excellent, thanks. I've missed you since I've stopped filming with you on this brand new TV series. Tell me about it. What? What? I could talk all day about it, but what? What can you guys tell us about it? Well, first of all, we miss you too. No. <laughs> oh. I'm being serious, but I actually do. <laughs> um, the, the TV show is uh, called Secret Body. Basically, the premise of the show is it's an undercover weight loss show where the, the, the participants uh, go on a weight loss journey and in order to hide their progress, they wear a secret bodysuit, which, which mimics the exact shape and size they were at the start of their journey. So all the friends and family have no idea that they're losing weight until the very last day. And ultimately, as they're losing weight, they, the suit gets parried out. And then the, the very last day, they tell their friends and family, they gather them around at what their friends and family think is going to be the start of a lovely journey. And then they basically tell them, actually, this is the end of it unzip, pop out, and there they are, new secret body kind of thing. You could say we're like secret agents. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that disguises, hiding from your friends and family, it's all right. a little bit 007, isn't it? Uh, very much, yeah. We're the 007s of the fitness industry. It reeks of espionage. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, I mean, I know I would watch it because I had a very small part in making it, but Stuart, would you watch it? Yeah, it does sound very cool. I'd be very interested. One of the things that can put people off going on a fitness journey or trying to get themselves in shape or anything else like that is the perception that as soon as they say it and they tell their friends or, or anything like that, that, immediately the pressure's on and immediately it's like, oh, I've got to start showing results almost instantly. Otherwise, you know, everyone's going to be thinking I'm slacking or everyone's going to be thinking that I'm not really putting the effort in. So it's such a nice idea to be able to do all your, your work and, and put the effort in without any pressure from anyone else or without any having to worry about how it looks to other people. Stuart, you're stealing lines from the show here. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Um, but, but no, there is a benefit of wearing the suit is that it's also, um, you know, a lot of the times when you go embark on a health and wellness journey, your friends and family, when they find out, they then want to tell you what they did and what they found success with. You can be bombarded with information. You get information overload. And instead of just sticking to one plan, you end up amalgamating three, four or five different tips until you get to the point where you stick to none of it at once and then you fall off the wagon. But sometimes if you just get one solid plan that you believe in, Stick to that damn plan. The results will flow with time, basically. Stick to that, Stick damn, to that plan. damn plan. That sounds like a great title <laughs> for a book. 
product placement as part of Bond movies, right? Product placement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So and yeah, so tell us about the book then. It's it's out soon. Am I right? It's out now. Um, now. As, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's out now. Um, it's been out for a week now, or just over a week. Um, the it's a book that we've been wanting to write ever since we started. I mean, our our catchphrase "Stick to the damn plan" um, has been around for over five years now. Yeah. Um, and everything that we do on social media is geared around that same message. And it's not just about people here stick to the damn plan and they think it's, oh, no excuses and, you know, you must you must do everything that we're asking you to do. And it's not about that. It's about, yes, sometimes it's, you know, the hell with your excuses. But it's also understanding your own mindset, understanding your likes and dislikes and your previous exercise history, any potential traumas you might have. And understanding the, the all ins and outs of your particular plan. And although the strategy may change from time to time, the overall vision that you've got for your life maintains. That's the plan. And you stick to the big vision for your life. And for some people, that means that, you know, they go out and they embark on you know, this, this crazy training program, get all the nutrition in place. And for others, it might just mean going out and walking more and eating cleaner, whatever it is. Everybody's plan is individual. But once you set that plan, you don't stick to that plan. And that's what we try and enforce as much as in a kind but firm way. It's a relaxed philosophy for serious results. Here we are. Kind but firm. I'm just thinking it was one of the shoots we were on, Fraser. <laughs> I did a bit. He says, Rob, um, can you do that again, but just look less angry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I, I just have to put my directorial stamp on it every now and again, you know. <laughs> I guess people don't have to just take your word for it, guys. You have some pretty big endorsements in the book as well from, from some Bond-related people as well. Yes, we do. And her name will come up later on too. Yes. Um, Ooh, that's a bit of a teaser. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, 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 a teaser for, for our special Bond movie. But um, yes, um, Joanna Lumley um, has endorsed our book. Uh, we did some shooting with her. Uh, what was it last year? Was that 2020? I think it was. I think it was yeah, it was 2020, yeah. We always like say, you don't remember the exact date. Like I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I know how many days since it was. <laughs> they say don't meet your heroes. And we were a little bit worried because, you know, we love Wolf of Wall Street. You know, she was Aunt Emma in there and various other movies and series she's been in. And she's absolutely, absolutely fabulous. There you go. Hey. And um, prior to meeting her, you've got a concept in your head of what you think she'll be like. But then part of you is worried because you think, oh, no, what if... You know, she doesn't live up to the. She doesn't live up to our image of, of what we've got for our, our head, um, and actually, she surpassed the whole thing. She was yeah. even more lovely than we could have ever given her credit for. And whenever we meet people, we always try and learn from them. And what we learned from Joanna was, I mean, literally, as her Range Rover pulled up, the window was down. She was saying hello, and she was introducing herself to us. So immediately, she put us at ease. And we've taken that on board. We thought, you know, there's a, there's a real lesson there that, you know, don't just assume people know who you are. You know, always introduce yourself, polite manners first, regardless of where you're going. And we're definitely going to be taking that on board because right away we relaxed. It was a lovely, fantastic experience. Um, she's half Scottish, so it's half the battle, right? Yeah. And likes a whiskey too, which was nice. She had good chat, good banter. Cannot say enough good things about her. Cool. I'm excited to see where she might fit into your film. So I suppose we should... Get into it a little bit i mean it's an honor for us to have with us today two people who physically would be uh would be right to play bond but are you guys yourselves fans of the bond films yeah yeah 100 um I, th- I think ever since i was a kid uh, my dad was as soon as a bond film came out you know you're either at the cinema or you're waiting for it to come out on dvd and it's always like a family thing. <coughs> let's watch the new bond um i wouldn't say i'm an expert in bond films like, I don't know, like, all the ins and outs of all the different names and all the different actors and whatnot, but I'm definitely a fan of um, of the movies. Always I, good. I think my favourite one, and I tell this a lot, is the humour in some of the Bonds is genius, particularly in the Connery Bonds. And I forget I forget which which um, storyline fits with which movie, but there's a scene where there's a girl in the bathtub and he's come in the bathroom and she's, you know, she's shocked, but she basically says, can you hand me something to put on? And he gives her the sandals. I was like... <laughs> oh, that's so dope. He just hands up the sand with a smirk on his face. I was like, oh, God, he's so good. <laughs> Either of you got a favourite Bond actor? Um, to be honest, mine is actually the most recent, Daniel Craig. 
Um, I, I like I like the roughness of him. I, I just think out of all the bonds, Connery was really good. Don't get me wrong, he was really really good. Um, but I think out of all the bonds, I just I think most of the other ones are very suave and kind of sophisticated. And they've got that side of Bond great. But you've also got to appreciate that Bond should be able to kick somebody's ass, and that's most believable with Daniel Craig for me. Because I'm a Connery man, hands down. I forget again. I forget which movie it was, but there's one of them. Q says to Bond, "Never let them see you bleed," and that's the only. Th- and, and understand they had to break that barrier with the new movies because they had to bring it into the 21st. I get that, you know. But um, for me, Connery all the way. He had the size when he punched people and punched them out. You believed it, and he had the charm as well. So, and I think you go back and you look at the gadgets that he had. Obviously, today he's got. The ability to have more fancier gadgets, but they really did make the most of it. So for nostalgia's sake, I think what would be really interesting, actually, because I am a fan of Connery, but at that the time when he was making the Bond movies, the fight sequences just weren't there. Whereas I think with Daniel Craig, because of the modern cinema, like the fight sequences were absolutely incredible. So I imagine something like Connery but with the cinematography of the modern sort of Daniel Craig might be uh, a great hybrid there. Interesting thought, yeah. Yeah, although I would say the thing about Connery as well is he did, like, despite exactly as you say, not having uh, the cinematography, the choreographing of, of the fight scenes and stuff, he just had the physical presence about him that exactly as you say, Rab, when he punched someone in a way he didn't get with, with Roger Moore or, or some of the other Bonds, you really physically felt it and you could see that, you know, on screen he had such power behind them. Kilted coaches, obviously you're a fan of wearing your kilts when you're doing your stuff. Do you happen to know what the only James Bond was to wear a kilt in a Bond film? Ooh, good question. Ooh. I'm going to put a hand up straight away and say no. <laughs> well, there was one, I can visualise Connery when he was at a resort, but it was a towel. So I can't wear a kilt. I'm going to say, I'm going to roll with Connery, just, just for for the sake of it, Connery. Right, no, it was actually George Lazenby. Oh, <laughs> The one and done Australian. Oh, one and done Australian. <laughs> you, yeah. you actually could have asked Joanna Lumley about that because she was in that same scene with George oh, Lazenby in his kilt. So oh, she's, she's a bit partial to the kilted gentleman. She's got, yeah, she got a taste for it then and now look at her. <laughs> Brilliant. Scribble furiously in his notes. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys, let's do it. Let's let's get fired in. Let's have a cheers with your yeah. whiskey and our, and our martinis. Hey. Cheers, and hey. here's to hey. your build a bond. Yeah, a little bit of housekeeping first. Are you guys gonna have one each? Are you gonna do one as the kilted coaches? What? How are you gonna pick your bond? We're, we're, we're gonna do this together. Uh, we've both come up, come up with ideas. Um, like Rab's decided on who Bond is, I've decided on who the villain is, and then we've kind of jointly done the rest. And we have nice. some alternatives for some of them. We've got, we a few have... I- we've got a few ideas that we can discuss. Yeah, A little bit of tension, maybe something to be decided on the night. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll bounce off you guys and see what you think as well. So, As long as we're not the cause of the breakup of the Celtic coaches, then we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keen to get into it then. We've heard a little bit about the Bonds that you like and the things you like about the Bond films. Who is your pick, the Kilted Coaches, to be James Bond? Well, well, first of all, we want to give you a background of the approach that we'd want for the the particular movie. Because that is really important here. So ultimately, what we want to go for is the concept of kind of old man Bond. Um, He's retired. He's he's now living off-grid because he's done some nasty things and he's no longer a double O. He's living off-grid over in the US, a little log cabin, Probably grown a beard. Yeah, he's grown a beard. It can be shaved off for the movie, but at least at the start, there's a bit of a ruggedness, you know, carrying logs or something. And yeah, yeah, he's he's living. Up, nobody knows where he is. He's just peaceful life because he, he's 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 retired, and lots of bad people want him. He can't be trusted anymore in the agency, uh, so he's he's, he's gone. He's he's off grid. So we were still going for someone that had the the charms of Bond, bit of physical presence. Um, bit of coolness, but a bit of suave and coolness, and the ability to kick some ass and fight crime. So that that all played into our decision. And here we drum roll here. Right. We're going to go with a Hoff. No way. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting. <laughs> Is this a joke? No, no, no. We think you think about it. He was in Knight Rider, Baywatch. 
See, he's he's got the presence, he's got the physique, the ladies would love him. He is a little bit of an older gentleman now. Yep, yep. He's, he's gone on a bit, so he's got to pull upon those skills when he returns, but I think he's a good show. So you're having him as he is now, I guess? Like, some would say, kind of, you know, a little bit well, older, a, maybe a little bit... A little bit, bit of a drink kind of, problem as well, that's Bond, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that, that works, to be fair. I've got so many questions. Yeah, let's get into this a little bit. <laughs> Wait till you see what we've got for a villain. <laughs> so presumably you, you've you, you've not got him in full half mode. He is going to still going to be a British secret agent, right? Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He's, he is absolutely Bond. It's just the Hoff playing him. Yeah, and he's just he's just going across the states, almost hiding out. You know, the British government have said they don't know. That. They, they take no ownership for him, you know, that kind of thing, so he's not captured. But we're looking for someone who was really, really cool back in the day, but he's past it now. He's old man bond. He's really past it. The alcohol's caught up with him. He's living off grid. He can't really do much anymore. As you'll see from the storyline, he's going to galvanise himself and, and come back strong. Okay, okay, yeah. I like a redemption story. Yeah, I think uh, certainly past it would probably be the phrase that I would use to, to describe him. Some of the terms you used when you were describing your bond as well, suave, I don't know if necessarily would fit that category, but physical, a physical presence, yeah, sure. Hundreds of millions of ladies, Stuart, are cursing you right now because I know. they still have the half calendars from the 1990s. <laughs> Probably held on the month of March when he's just running with his <laughs> leather jacket, like or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is this a comedy? Uh, no, no, this is actually the opposite. This is, this is going to be like quite a dark. Um, have you seen Old Man Logan? Um, yeah, Logan, well, Logan right? is the movie, but the, the comics of Old Man Logan kind of thing. Uh, so, so, that, so this is the style we're going for with this Bond. It's Old Man Bond. It's quite dark. It's it's, it's starting off quite kind of. Oh, like quite dramatic. It might even be that, you know, if he's been outcast by the British government, it might be that, you know, his ways aren't recognised anymore. Maybe too much um, legislation and red tape came in at some point that there was he wasn't just allowed to shoot and punch out whoever he wanted. Maybe there was a bit of regulation involved and maybe he didn't know where his place fit in the UK government anymore. And he maybe just took one step too far, punched out an ambassador and before he knows that he's he's on the run and doesn't know too he knows too much. There we are. You might as well have Jeremy Clarkson then. <laughs> <laughs> That's the story we're telling, actually. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna have to give Clarkson a, a co-credit as writer. Yeah. <laughs> Based on true events. Based on true events. Well, yeah, yeah there's more of that to come as well. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, so we got David Tasselhoff, he's past it, he's an old man bond. Ex, a bit of ex, you know, exiled from the British establishment. Too many health and safety yeah. forms. He's a bit, he's a bit kind of totally on his own, really. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He can't, he, he can't be trusted. Also, he doesn't trust himself. Right. That's a good line. And uh, I know we'll get to our M, but M knows where he is, but just leaves him be. Yeah. But the rest of the British government are always trying to find out. But M will know where he is because M's she knows everything. She knows everything. But that being said. Um, she potentially doesn't know. She potentially doesn't know. I mean, I'm not on board with this David Tasselhoff thing at all, but okay, it's your it's your movie. I would say right now, I'm a little bit nervous, but having heard already how much you guys have thought about it, how much you kind of have put into this and, and how sort of complete it seems like your vision of this film is, I'm going to, I'm putting my trust in you that it's going <laughs> to, David Hasselhoff's going to make a bit worse. more sense as you as we hear more. <laughs> We've, we we yeah. figure you've got to grip people. So what we're looking, what we're aiming for is the start of this movie. Bond is looking like a bit of a villain. He is the outcast. He's off grid. He can't be trusted. He doesn't trust himself. You know the things he can do. He just needs to stay away. And if Henry finds out where he is, he becomes public enemy number one. Nice, nice setup. I like that. We know where we are in the world. Let's get into it a bit further. Traditionally, what we ask about next is the Bond girl. Uh, we Ooh. frame it as co-star. Because you can really go anywhere with it. It doesn't have to be the, what is traditionally known as a Bond girl. It, it could be really anything else that you want to do with it. So um, who are you going to have in that co-star role? The by comparison, this is going to sound creepy. <laughs> God. Our Bond girl um, is uh, Zoe Saldana. We need we need eye candy. We need something to grasp, grasp the young audience. And we, we, we've got our name as well um, <laughs> in, the, in the movie, our character name, because... You know, typically speaking, it's 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 cheesy names, pussy galore, etc. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't have to go into it. So, of course, Zoe Saldana played in Star Trek Ahura. So we're thinking Yahura for our name. 
<laughs> and what okay. she's going to signify, because she's what, 30s or early 40s? Yeah. But it's whether old man Bond still has it, basically. You know, he's she's going to be the Bond girl. She's young, she's sprightly. Um, can old man Bond still wear that? Is the and of course, the, the big first half of the movie, at least, is a definite no. Like, she, she's just not interested. It's this old guy. It's whether he can turn things around by the end of the movie. Okay. Which is typically most Bond movies, right? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. It, could be much, it could be much quicker than that. Woos them, you know, within seconds with a, pair, with a pair of sandals or something. Except that with the Hoff, it's his sandals. <laughs> <laughs> What's her deal, you know? You obviously have a, a pretty a good idea about this kind of Bond character and, and where he is in the world. The Bond girl, what, what is she a spy? Is she an enemy, a friend? Yeah, well, we figured with old man Bond, she has to go to kick ass. And we reckon Zoe Saldana is the person to do that. Um, she might be an agent that's set out to um, reactivate him or whatever. Yeah, she's of. maybe the person who's sort of taken, taken over. But later down the line, you'll, you'll see kind of where we're, where we're at. Um, he, he, Bond's then the only person that can save the day later on. We'll give you the plot afterwards. But it's quite good if she really does kick ass, especially in this day and age. Um, we've got a lot more female leads, that are very strong characters physically and emotionally. So she can almost lead the way initially as Bond is kind of a bit, not lost his way, but not really given a damn. That's the kind of approach we're wanting. Not that we're saying he's a drunk, but he's maybe drunk when she finds him. <laughs> maybe. So and you're saying... Snow. Zoe Saldana's going to give Bond a plan and she'll say, stick to the damn plan. Exactly. I've heard that line somewhere. <laughs> what have you seen, Zoe Saldana? What, you know, what role that she's done so, before kind of inspired it? Anyone that you liked that she's well, done? Well, obviously, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy um, and also Avatar. Um, I mean, she's, she's quite obviously a peaceful, but a peaceful warrior in Avatar. Uh, you definitely wouldn't mess with her. But then in Guardians of the Galaxy, she just kicks ass. Yeah, she's quite quite violent, actually, in, in Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. And she doesn't take shit from anybody. You know, the, you've got, um, uh, what's his name, Quill, obviously trying to, try to pursue it constantly. And she's she's just ready to slit his throat rather than kiss him. You know, it's just, it's just that that's what old man Bond needs. He needs the direct approach from a strong female. She might even it's, slap him when he's blethering rubbish and just slaps him to sober him up. Uh, kind of turned me around a bit I, I really like Zoe Saldana I think she's great and I want to see her in more stuff so I think a Bond film would kind of be completing the set she's done Star Trek she's done Avengers Bond film yeah, would be great definitely. yeah and, she, and she's done so many of those roles exactly as you described like a no-nonsense character strong strong-willed physically you know a good fighter and all sorts of things so it seems like a good match for Kind of what you guys are looking for. Good. Okay, so we've got a we've got a bond, we've got a girl. Do we have a villain? I'm, I'm anticipating this because you've teased it nicely. We need to paint the picture of this villain as well. So we did this, we did say that Bond is um in a dark place and he's exiled and he's kind of frowned upon. So you know, at the start of the movie, you're gonna be looking at Bond and going, What a dick. You know, so that's who we want to be. <laughs> we want people painting that particular picture. Therefore, our villain needs to effectively be the opposite initially. Okay. So who we've gone with here. Now, I know you've said before in, in, other, in your other podcast that there are no rules. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm so right. confused right now. So, I'm excited. Okay. So I'm going to say a name in a second. This is our villain. Our villain is Gandhi. Fucking Gandhi. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Did you just think of who's yeah. like the, who's the, the biggest good guy in history? Gandhi. Right, so so see, here's the story. Okay, so we've got Gandhi. I'm hoping there's not going to be any sandal scenes. No, uh, no, no that, that, that's just with the off. But if Gandhi's not available, then we'll get Ben Kingsley to play Gandhi. <laughs> right. So. Okay. Right, so 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 here the, the story goes. Right, Gandhi was an absolute saint. Right, so he 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 rid India of the the British Empire. He, he fought for freedom. And it was all fantastic stuff. But as with anything, I think there's one of the lines from, was it the Batman film? It was the Batman film. And he said, uh, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Right. So this is Gandhi. So, you know, people think that he was uh, assassinated. But no, 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 not in this Bond movie. He faked his assassination because he's seen the energy and the the love that he got freeing India of the, the British Empire 
and he'd gone on to, to create more of that energy. He wanted more power and more. he wanted to be celebrated more. So he faked his own assassination and uh, changed his name and uh, he went to rid the whole world of the, the British Empire. His main approach or his main um, despise, if you like, is he hates technology, hates the way that we're all glued to devices, we're all fixated on our phones and communication. Instead of speaking in person and doing things as a, a group community anymore, he's very much like, no. Nah. He wants to bring us back to robes and sandals, basically. So his plot ultimately is to set off the equivalent of a gigantic EMP pulse, which is going to just wipe all electronic technology. And you're right, bring it right back to, bring it back to the sandals. Robes and sandals. Robes and sandals. And a lot of sa sandal chat on this, uh, on this episode. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> just going to pause it. Okay, so we've got Gandhi. Beloved, beloved, fucking Gandhi. Gandhi. <laughs> big fucking Gandhi, <laughs> beloved historical figure, you know, beloved by millions around the world, but it's not enough for him. Somehow he's still alive, right? So this is the same Gandhi. Yeah. We won't get into that because there's no rules. It doesn't have to make sense. That's fine. And he's dead against technology. That's his big plan. Is that fair? Is that, is that a summary, a good summary of Gandhi's? Yeah, vibe? basically he, he sees the evil that technology is bringing to the world. He sees that it's just, it's just another route into corruption. It's another route into to domination to, to overrule um, and that's what he's just freed India from he doesn't want to have to do it again and he sees technology as this all evil thing it's an all evil tool that wants to rid the world of. <coughs> and it's important as well I mean he is old man Gandhi as well it's important there because you've got your hero and your villain of similar age range so character arcs are going to... But, and ju just remember that um, although he's faked his assassination, he's no longer Gandhi. He is still a sort of a public figure that's sort of coming around. And he, he's, he's still celebrated in that sense that he's, he's preaching about love and peace and kindness. In fact, he kills people with kindness. That's yeah, what he yeah. does. What a way to go. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is the classic showdown then that people have been crying out for years. The Hoff versus Gandhi. <laughs> What was that? Um, Clash of the Titans, isn't it? What was that yeah. celebrity death match? Do you remember celebrity death match? We should have done that. Gandhi. So you're, you're happy with Gandhi then, other than that? I mean, I don't really think I've got much choice, do I? <laughs> a bit more of a, you've got more of a fight about the Hoff. Yeah, I'm more into Gandhi than I am the Hoff. Gandhi does have a henchman. Okay, go on. Uh, it's, worth, it's worth going into that right now. Yeah, I want to hear this. Joanna Lumley. <laughs> Not quite. So, because Gandhi's uh, old man Gandhi, and he's old and frail, and he's 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 killing people with kindness, um, he needs a proper henchman to do to do a bit of bodyguard work, to do a bit of kind of killing now and again, proper help people with cruelness. Yes, exactly. So we decided on Tom Hardy playing is a very similar character to Bronson and he beats people to death with his, well, he'll probably have knuckle dusters and his name is Handy. <laughs> so it's Handy, Handy and Gandhi. Gandhi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's A-N-D-I. Yeah, actually. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I like it. Okay. I like it. So he's doing all the heavy lifting. He's like, you know, he's a muscle exactly right, which is fair enough because he's a pretty muscly guy. He could probably even just like carry around Gandhi, you know, just like going from yeah, A to B. Yeah, exactly. Just be like the, the, the like the chauffeur. Yeah, that's a good Almost idea. like a Master Blaster in uh, Mad Max 3 or Mad Max 2. Mad Max 2? I think it's the second one. There's Master and Blaster. That's Master's right. the wee, wee well, guy on the back. Blaster's the beast that carries him around. Because there's so, there's so much talk of Tom Hardy being the next Bond that you think, you think it's too obvious. And I think he would have more fun as a henchman or a villain. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, when, when you see him in Bronson, you know, the way he's, he's just a bit of a crazy character, shaves his head, sort of cool moustache, just likes to beat people with his fists. That's mm. that's handy through and through. Yeah. Like, totally unpredictable as well. Like, could, could, if you, yeah. you, you can imagine, like, I've seen him in a, in a room, maybe not with Bond, but maybe with, like, Zoe Saldana. They're just, like, you know, you wouldn't know which way it's going to go. They're, like, eyeing each other up, and it's just two, like, yeah, pretty good fighting characters, and um, Tom Hardy could be could do anything at any moment. 100%. Great. That's our handy. That's our handy. <laughs> yeah, handy um, from Gandhi. So we need, to, we need to find roles for Mandy, Sandy, <laughs> Candy. Candy. That's the honour guard. <laughs> That's a good, a good start, I think. That's getting there. In order to make a Bond film 
that out there, you're going to need potentially a very out there director. Yes, we do. We've got a few. I've got a few um, suggestions actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where we go with the direction? Um, our first pick's probably James Cameron. James Cameron. Nice. So like a big, expensive blockbuster. Lots of shit yeah. going on. We, we reckon he gets the mood just right <coughs> because, yeah, the, the, at the moment the plot seems to be a bit out there because we've got the Hoff and it's old man Bond. It's a little bit sort of slightly different take on it. We need a director that's going to be able to embody that with a, a nice soundtrack, with um, the storytelling, with the, the the mood of the movie has to be absolutely right. Other, otherwise, it becomes a joke. It becomes a comic. Uh, we want us to be quite a moody, serious, ooh, type kind of get people's emotions sort of down, if you like, down, but then up. Mm. People will be in the cinema going, ooh, just like that. Exactly. That's the only sound that comes out of the cinema. <laughs> ooh. No popcorn, <laughs> no drinks, just ooh. <laughs> as I say as well, if you've got, you know, you're trying to keep Gandhi on board and, and you know, keep him happy, you're going to have to have a director who's got, you know, bit of prestige about him, bit of caliber, someone who's done big, successful films in the past. Otherwise, Gandhi's not going to respect him. Whereas I could see Gandhi probably having a, a decent amount of respect for uh, James Cameron. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think the Hoff would be fine with anybody, right? He's going to go, yeah, whatever. Give me, give me more whiskey, and I'm fine. <laughs> so, so we we need a director who's actually going to be able to accommodate people like Gandhi and make him feel good, but also then bring people like Hoff and actually bring him out of his... Um, because the beginning scenes, actually, Hoff's character, as he has at the moment, is fine because he's gonna, he's there, he's past it, everything. But it's the second half of the movie that we're going to have to bring him out of that and we need a, a director that's going to be able to do it. And alternatively, the director that's going to keep the mood right for when Gandhi has his... You know, he's going to be the hero that falls. Well, he's already fallen, but in the viewer's eyes, he's, he's praised, he's up here... He needs to come down and change enough, but change at the right pace that the audience, one, buys it, and two, is actually then quite intimidated by it, thinking, he's an evil wee bastard, you know, and they want to buy into that. And suddenly you want them starting to root for the Hoff. You know, that's, you want that flip to happen. Yeah. Yeah. James Cameron's good at making films about things going down, so that works well. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned you had a few options. Are you going to stick with James Cameron or are you going to... I think it's probably our choice because it's the most I think it's the most sane choice considering the start of this Bond movie I think we need to go with good solid direction Uh, but we did consider Tim Burton because again it's a little bit odd it'll be a bit strange but we we figured with the characters that we really want Tim Burton is going to make it really weird and it wouldn't be a Bond movie otherwise. Johnny Depp would end up playing Bond if Tim Burton was in there. I know. In fact what's her face Helen Bonham Carter would become the Bond girl you know, so, he, he recruits all his, the people he knows. Right? Yeah, the, the cast is pretty predictable with Tim Burton. I think, yeah, so, for, for a film of that scale, you need a, a director who's who can match it. And James Cameron feels like maybe one of possibly the only directors who could do a film on that on that scale. I Jim. believe in the Hoff. Lots of actors out there have done something that's completely left field. And when you hear about it, you think they'll never be able to play so and so. And then they can never I mean, out the park. Look at look at Robert Downey Jr. He's gone from being really sort of down in jail, you know, drug addict. And he's come out, he's one of the biggest actors and, and believable actors as well. Everybody loves him because of the character plays. I think Hoff could do the same. Yeah. Faith. We have faith. I love, I I love your, your guys' faith in the Hoff. It's, it's actually quite inspiring. <laughs> and Hoff we trust. <laughs> He'll be ready. I, I suppose it's, we've heard quite a bit already um, about your film, your characters. Should we go in a bit more in detail about the plot, hear a little bit more about the, the story arcs and stuff? Yeah, yeah. So before we go into the other characters, um, yeah, I think we should go over the plot. And, and, yeah. and I think we've, te- we've teased that enough. So so we wanted the movie to start off with, you know, it's a scene of London, classic, and basically a smaller scaled down version of Gandhi's EMP thing is test detonated in London, near the MI6 building. And Which, everything gets all technology in that area, street lights, everything, car lights, watches, phones. Zeroed. We like, should we should point out at this stage that there's an emphasis, and we need James Cameron to, to really bring this home. There's an emphasis on modern technology in these beginning stages. It's all modern, it's high-tech equipment, everything. And that's why this EMP is so powerful. Mm-hmm. And we picture probably either at dusk or at nighttime when this device is set off, just for effect, because we want it dark, we want the lights of the um the London eye on and then getting shut off, and everything's like whoa, and I mean shut off permanently not just shut off for a couple of hours till 
yeah. electricity board get fixed the fuses. They are done. They are and, over. And, and there's something that you can maybe help us with here because we need, what we want to be written into this storyline is during this attack, something happens that completely disables all double O agents that are on operation, uh, operational duties. So they're all just like wiped out, not, not killed, but there's something that happens that means that you can't call on any of the double O agents. And that's why the, this is when old man Hoff, um, Hoff is going to come in and save the day because he's off grid and he's not affected by this thing that happens. Mm. So maybe we don't know what that is yet. Maybe it's the mainframes MI6 were hitting the attack and everything's wiped. Maybe they don't have records. Who knows? But put it this way, that something happened that disables all the sort of key agents in the field, um, all the knowledge. Because there's been a lot of sleeper agents that got places, all information, knowledge of them, wiped, gone, no backups. Maybe they've got like some sort of technology in them that means that they, Ooh, you know, maybe it was controversial at the time. They've got, yeah, they've all got like microchips or something that means that they, can, they can't do their job without it because it gives them something, yes. you know. And then all the modern agents get, you know, when they start, they get like implanted with this and it helps them do their job and they're basically useless without it. Yeah, and it was because of it was because of the Hoff's actions that these microchips were brought in in the first place. Like, you know, we have to keep track of everybody. They all need microchips. It's, it's, it's ironic now that he has to come save day because he was the one who they planted the chips. No, he didn't plant the chips, but he was he was the the reason for the chips being planted in all double O agents in the first place. And then maybe that's why he like quit as well because he was, he refused to get the chip. He said, you know, I'm not I'm not getting the chip implanted. It's not you know who I am. I'm not yeah. a machine or whatever. Yeah. And then just to keep the plot right, then Zoe Saldana's character can actually work for Felix because we need to bring Felix into it with the CIA. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if old man Hoff is hiding in the US, she then doesn't have a chip or she wasn't affected by that particular, if maybe the, the CIA used chips as well, but she wasn't there when it went off. She's then maybe sent by Felix, who's in the vicinity, to go get Bond. She's also an astronaut and she was off planet when it went off. Oh, she was fighting Thanos. She was, <laughs> she was finding infinity stone. One of the more logical plot lines we've ever had, I think. That yeah, actually seems, that to, actually seems is, to work yeah. quite well. Look at Fraser. By the end of this, he's going to have to say, I'm a Hoff fan. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, so basically, after this device goes off, M is the only person who knows about um, Bond being still alive. So she goes and flies over to the US. She takes three train rides and two hitchhiking rides up to the, the and, valley. And one yellow cab. And one yellow cab. That was between the train ride and hitchhiking. Right. And it, she, she, she then got a three-hour hike from the, wait, the post wait, road. She, hold on. She got out of a yellow cab to hitchhike. Yeah, yeah. Somebody might be <laughs> trapped in the cab, Fraser. What kind of secret agent would you make? <laughs> James Hello, Cameron so- may or may not exclude the yellow cab. <laughs> but also, I thought she was sending Zoe Saldana. You know, why is M going her, herself to go all this way? Well, maybe she goes to see Felix. No, 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 she has to go because she's the only person that Bond will trust. Oh, but she ah, but because she's on US soil, maybe they have to pair Bond up with someone to look after him. And Felix then sends Zoe Saldana to tie up. It'd be kind of like that straight, frayed relationship where Bond feels he doesn't he work, he best works alone. So it's like, no, 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 you're going to work again, Bond, but I can't fully yeah. trust you yet. Dog needs a leash. Yeah, and Zoe yeah. Saldana's the leash. So here's Yahura. Yeah, yeah, Yahura will keep you... <laughs> <laughs> let's um let's put some faces as well to the name. So who have you got playing M? You guess. <laughs> I'm guessing it might be. We needed a sophisticated la- lady that was firm but strong, and, and uh, although she's mumsy, she's also still very mm. hot. Maybe back in the day, her and Hoff might have had a bit of connection. Shall we say? She's got a bit of Gurkha spirit about her. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So our Joanna Lumley is playing M. Nice. Lovely That's Lumley. A- yeah, that's uh, you're, you definitely get no argument from me on that. That's exactly as you've described her. Now, especially now she's a bit, you know, a bit older. She's like a has that maybe national treasure status that is almost like a, a prerequisite to playing M. But you know, like back in the day, she was all action, and uh, she has yeah, a lot in her in her locker as well. And Absolutely. you get the impression that if, if if she had to, she'd still get stuck in about the action and give it a good crack. So yeah, yeah. and you feel that there would be that kind of care and connection with Bond. I, a boundary that they never quite overstepped, but there was the chemistry maybe in their younger days. We think, well, you know. Great. Any other um, supporting cast roles? Yeah, we do. We, we do. do, yes. So we've got our Q. Yeah. Who we thought was, uh, we, we need, Joanna's kind of half Scottish, uh, but we feel we need a bit more of a Scottish presence in this. So Q is going to be Scottish and he's going to be Billy Connolly. 
Oh, great shout. We need somebody mm. that would be able to talk the gadget chat, but also take none of the pish that when Bond is playing around with them. She's like, what the fuck are you getting? You know, and when something's going wrong, he could be effing and blinding and swearing and, you know, all yeah. this kind of stuff. He'd be like an angry and funny cue. Angry and funny cue. Why do they always do that? Why do they do that? <laughs> a wee jobby. <laughs> That'd be the gadget. The gadget's a wee jobby. That's a great impression. <laughs> if you're going for someone for humour, then where else would you go but Billy Connolly? Yeah. The, the, the funniest guy on the planet, full stop for me. Um, so that would be brilliant. Yeah. Just FYI, on in Waterstones in Perth, our book is in one window and his is in the other window. So technically we're brothers. <laughs> Just saying. Although having said that, if I had a book coming out, I probably wouldn't want it to be up against Billy Connolly's. <laughs> He's our big brother. We'll take him on. Yeah. <laughs> really good show. I can't believe I've never had that before, actually. I know. Really nice. Have you got other other bits and pieces? Any other bits of cast? Yeah. So 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 this is where we sort of disagreed slightly when it came to Money Penny. Um, but we made we had a compromise. Okay. So Rather than Money Penny being one person, we've decided to have Money and Penny. <laughs> and they both work in desks opposite each other. And it's almost like this comedic, this, they finish each other's sentences. It's almost like they're the same character. They're, they're, they seem to be there. They have crossovers, but there are two characters, but they're almost, you know, just in sync always. Okay, so who's the two, who's the two actresses yeah. then? Who's, who's, who's doing the job here? Well, um, I went with Dallas Bryce Howard. Bryce Dallas Howard. Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, and I went with um, Sarah Rafferty, who plays Donna in Suits. Okay. Uh, if, you, if you like Suits, you love Donna. Uh, yeah. She's just a solid, she's a solid money penny. Um, yeah. She, mm. she commands the space. She's sexy, but you know, confident and yeah, it doesn't take any nonsense. That's what you need in a Bond movie. They, they do look a little bit similar, Bryce um, Dallas yeah. and Sarah Rafferty. Both redheads, they, right? He could walk in and still just uh, um, sort of dress them as both. He could just say Money Penny, and he's talking to them both because they're always there on the same yeah. scene together. And, and here's the thing: there might be two actresses playing Money Penny, and it might look like uh, there's two people, but like I said, there's always that crossover. And the audience will never know if it's actually two people or if it's old man Bond going a little bit nuts and he's, he's believing that it's two people. And therefore, James Cameron can sort of decide at the end of the movie whether it's a plot twist and it's just one person and Bond's just going a bit nuts. Okay. <laughs> That's quite good. I like that. Um, you mentioned Felix as well. Have you got a Felix? Oh, actually, we don't have a Felix. Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> that was so fast. Felix, we get God to play Felix. Here we are, Morgan Freeman. We better get this film made soon because a lot of these guys don't have long life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still not loving the Hoff. I'm not going to lie. As you've built the other cast members, which I've, I, I think I have to say, I've loved so many of the picks as well. He, he does stand out as a little bit of a lower caliber than, than a lot of the other guy, other people that you picked. That's you know. <laughs> Sorry to the Hoff if he's listening. I don't, I don't yeah. want to cause any offence. But do you see what I mean? Everyone deserves a second chance, even uh, a down-and-out Bond like yeah. the Hoff. He was, like, he never played Bond. But he was, like, see, back in the 80s, he was Bond. Like, he was... He was a US version. He was, he was Knight Rider. He was, um, you know, um, what's his name from Baywatch? What was it? Uh, Mitch. Mitch. Mitch Buchanan. He was Mitch Buchanan. He, that that is Bond, right? It's the hero character. He played the hero character, and it's just in recent. He's he's been made fun of a little bit, and I think that this is his time, and it's, it really is plays into the, our story arc very perfectly because he's he was Bond. Now he's not. Nobody likes him. People make fun of him, but he knows that he can kick ass. Yeah, do you know I like I do like that, and it's, it kind of reminds me a bit of the whole Michael Keaton Birdman thing. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, so yeah, yeah. he was at that point he was a bit sort of down and out and and people didn't really take him seriously as an actor and then Birdman came out and all of a sudden it was like he's he, he, he stared that in the face and he absolutely killed it so yeah yeah maybe that maybe that could happen with Hoff. Yeah. We forgot to mention one of the scenes as well when he's uh, when he's speaking to Q um, about you know getting the car and everything else there'll be a slight cameo for Kit and it'd be like behind door number two, it would just be like, Bond will go, oh, what, what, what was that there? 
And then Q will just switch past, switch past and go, no, 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 that's for phase two. That's for phase two. Don't worry about that. <laughs> and it'll just be like this two-second little clip. So were you big Knight Rider fans then? Absolutely. <laughs> it was a car that could talk. <laughs> <laughs> who else? Well. Who, who wasn't a Knight Rider fan? I know. Unless there's any other like cinematic or movie stuff, we should talk a little bit about the music as well. Oh, yeah. Well, we're, we're going to go um, Johnny Cash. Nice. I'm a big, I'm quite a big Johnny Cash fan. I like Johnny Cash. I do know, or I've heard rumors that he did once record a Bond theme song. Really? That was, that was never used. Now, again, listeners at home. Yeah, listeners at home might know better than me. There is certainly rumors that there is a Bond, a Johnny Cash Bond theme song in existence somewhere. Um, but I don't know whether it's it's out there and you can listen to it or whether it's still a mystery. Um, but I have heard rumours that that does exist. So you're not the first person to think of Johnny Cash for a Bond song. Oh, nice. Happy days. Good choice. Yeah. Yeah, I like that choice. Really cool. Mm-hmm. Have you got a favourite Johnny Cash song? Oh, there's, there's so many. The is that, no, that's, not, that's not Johnny Cash, is it? No. Uh, I'm not sure. Ken Heart's Ken a good Rogers, song. Uh, Man Comes Around. Bring Man a Comes Fire. Colson City Blues. Hopefully I loved his, uh, his, his cover of the Nine Inch Nails song as well. What was it Hart? Yeah, 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 Hart. Yeah, yeah. Hart's really good. There's another one he did which was absolutely brilliant when he's in one of the prisons, and that's that's genius. Mm. Um, did, you, did you see the um, the Johnny Cash biopic with uh, with Joaquin Phoenix playing him? Yes, oh, um, I've not seen that. And yet. Um, Reese Witherspoon played um, is it Dixie Carter? Is that right? Uh, June yeah. Carter. June Carter. Jesus Christ. But yeah, yeah, no, that was that was really, really good. Did you guys like that? Yeah, that's basically the only reason I like Johnny Cash now is because I saw that I'd never really listened to Johnny Cash (laughs) at all and watched that film and thought, this this guy seems worth my time. Maybe I'll maybe I'll give him a listen. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. An interesting link as well. Um that was directed, I think, by James Mangold, who also directed Old Man Logan. Oh, oh wow! Yeah. Well, that, that's that's ultimately kind of what we're thinking with Old Man Logan, Old Man Bond. We're sort of quite a slow but moody sort of soundtrack to it. Yeah, that would really fit with it. Yeah, Johnny Cash song, bit of a world weariness creeping into the lyrics. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You can feel the the pain in his bones and his movement and everything he does, but he's just still soldiering on regardless. Well, that to me looks like we've got a Bond film. I've, I've, I have turned around and done this actually. I've, <laughs> I hated this at the start. Now I love it. Now, there is a big question though that I've just, it's just occurred to me. And I'm not sure how I feel about this because at the end of Bond Don't movies, ruin it. well, Don't no, ruin it. We, need to, we need to talk about this. At the end of Bond movies, the villain more often than not dies, right? Mm. Yeah. Do we, I, mean, I don't know if I could live with myself with Kill Gandhi. I don't care how much he's fallen. I think, do, we, do we kill him? I or? think we've got to revert him back to his old ways when he saved India and he, and he, he got his, his title and, his, and he's got his love. I think we convert him back and realise the error of his ways in some kind. Or do we go down the route of um, Batman the Dark Knight? You know, and they can't have Harvey, what's his face, Two-Face, fall, so Batman takes the blame. So maybe they can't have Gandhi come out as the body, so they're like, I don't know, maybe... Bond sacrifices himself. Bond sacrifices himself for the greater good. Because the world doesn't need a Bond. He knows that people need to believe in Gandhi. Yes! The world needs heroes, yeah. Am I... Am I... Are you wanting to kill James Bond here? No, 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 no. Not kill him, but he's going to take the blame for the death of Gandhi. Right, okay. Gandhi's already assassinated, but wasn't We're talking about old man Bond here, though, so... Yeah, you probably... Fraser, I'm sorry, but yeah. We we do. Might, might, yeah. It was all going so well, and now I've kind of <laughs> gone off again. I don't think we should kill Bond. I think we should take the blame for Gandhi. Yeah, yeah okay. He goes so back into so exile. He, yeah, goes back into exile. He goes back okay. to his cabin, but nobody knows him. Okay, yeah, I'll take that. Fraser, can you somehow give us a, a short summary of this film? I certainly can. <laughs> okay, The Kilted Coaches, your James Bond 007 film is as follows. Playing James Bond, you have David Hasselhoff. <laughs> Playing your co-star, you have Zoe Saldana, whose character name is Yahura. <laughs> uh, your villain is Gandhi. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Gandhi. Fucking Gandhi. <laughs> Old man Gandhi playing himself. And he's got a henchman who is Tom Hardy, who's called Handy. Your director is James Cameron. Singing your theme song is Johnny Cash. And then other details, you've got Joanna Lumley as M, 
Billy Connolly as Q. Money Penny is two characters played by Bryce Dallas Howard and Sarah Rafferty. And then Felix is played by Morgan Freeman. In it, we've got a very exciting plot that involves electromagnetic pulses and technology being out of use. And all the MI, all the MI6 double agents are all cut off from the rest of the world. And Gandhi tries to take over with his EMP blaster laser gun. Uh, he's got one gadget, which is a wee jobby. and there'll also be one tiny little cameo from kit the car from the knight rider how's that sound lads sounds awesome sounds good great Stuart, would you watch it i would be apprehensive because of the hasselhoff thing at first but having said that and having listened to the 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 plot you guys have described it sounds like it's got so many elements of it that i love in in a film so i would definitely go along and see that me too i think um I think I would not go and see it at first and then I would hear everyone else talking about it and go, oh, maybe I should go and see it. And then see, I would go and see it the, and I'd probably love it. The last question uh, to ask you guys, all that thought has gone into the plot, the cast, the music, brilliant. What are you going to call your film? Oh, we were looking forward to this bit. Right, we've, we've got a few <laughs> suggestions. I actually thought of another one um, at, at the end. Is, the Hoff is not enough. Nice. Yeah. The second one is The Man with the Gandhi Gun. <laughs> and the next one is from Russia with Lumley. Nice, real good. Yeah, the only okay. one I would add, I would add to that, and it's very much along the same lines. Is you could go for on Her Majesty's secret sandals. And we have a winner. (laughs) (laughs) Loved it. Loved it. Well, guys, thank you so much again for coming on and and sharing your wild and wonderful Bond film with us. It's been such a laugh. Where can we find more of this wildness? Where can we where can we follow you and stuff on social media? Um, The Kilted Coaches um, at The Kilted Coaches on Instagram. Facebook, YouTube, YouTube, Twitter. We don't really go on Twitter, to be honest. Don't go to Twitter. <laughs> go to Instagram or Facebook. Um, you can also go to our website if you want to look at any details, thekiltedcoaches.com. I hope you guys at home have enjoyed listening. Let us know on Build a Bond, 007, Twitter and Instagram. And make sure you check out The Kilted Coaches on their social media and on their website. And definitely get a read of their new book as well. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. <laughs> That was good fun. Those are really nice guys. Eh? Yeah, I love them very much. Those guys, I love them dearly, and I only know I only know them a little bit, but I, yeah, mm. I happily spend lots of time with them. They're going to be stars, I suspect. Absolutely, but I've got to say, I didn't, I didn't love their Bond film. Yeah. I mean, it was funny. It was, a, it was a good episode, not a good film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. David Hasselhoff is a big sticking point for me. Um, but having said that, we'll laugh. And so amazing to hear the details of their uh, well thought out plot. Yeah, great episode. Such good fun. I have made a bit of a stab at your quiz question. Mm, yeah, tr- a trick- to be fair, I, I was reflecting. It is a tricky one and a, l- a long answer as well. Ten, ten whole films. So- <laughs> ten answers, yeah. Right, you ready yeah. for the list? Have you got your list up? I've got my list up, yep. Okay, Dr. No. Yep. Goldfinger. Yep. Live and Let Die? Yep. For Your Eyes Only? No. Shit. Moonraker? No. Fuck. A View to a Kill? No. Oh my God. Okay. License to Kill, he's definitely in that. Yep. Casino Royale? Yep. Quantum of Solace? Yep. No Time to Die? Yep. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven out of ten. So the ones you missed were Thunderball? Oh, I had Thunderball and I scored it out. Diamonds Are Forever? And... The Living Daylights. Now, I can tell you who he pl- who played them in The Living Daylights, I think. Yeah? Because that's the one that I was un- unsure on. Wait, so you know who played them, but you weren't sure if he was in it? I knew he played them at some point, but I couldn't remember which film it was, and I couldn't remember if it was For Your Eyes Only or The Living Daylights, and I went for, for Your Eyes Only. Ah, uh, okay. But it's John Terry, who, of it course, is. was Christian Shepherd and Lost. It is John Terry, yeah, very good. And of course, the the most obvious one would be Jeffrey Wright. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so we have uh, Jeffrey Wright in the more recent Daniel Craig ones, John Terry in The Living Daylights. So we've got David Hedison 
in Live and Let Die and License to Kill, Norman Burton in Diamonds Are Forever, Rick Van Nutter in Thunderball, Jack Lord in Doctor No, and Tech Linder in Goldfinger. Well, I think to be fair, Fraser, all things considered, that was uh, um, a very good answer to a very difficult question. Thank you. Uh, and what a very fun episode that has been. Love the killer coaches. Um, a load of fun and genuinely very inspirational guys with all the work they do on not just fitness, not just diet, but also um, mindfulness and um, general well-being. Well, that's the end of another episode. Uh, please find us on Twitter, Instagram, anything else? Uh, no, for now. Let us know if you'd like us if you'd like to see us on any other platform. If there's anything that you're using that you think would be a good match for the Build a Bond podcast, and let us know. Interest. Um, Pinterest. We'd be good yeah. at Pinterest, I think. Maybe. Pin your pin your picks. Anyway, yeah. thank you so much for listening. Thank you very much, Fraser, for joining me. Thank you very much to the Kilted Coaches, to Rab and Stephen. And we'll see you all next week. Goodbye. Okay,